Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sun Insight. It's great to be with you today on this January the 2nd. It's a wonderful feast day in the life of the church. I'll have some comments to share on that. But I'm going to focus today's program in two areas. The first is helping you discern God's resolution and doing a bit of a, an examination of conscience as a member of the church to follow what it is God has resolved to do in the church. It's a lot to cover, but we'll get started today on Sound Insight. I'll be back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out. DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. First, a scripture, just 2 Chronicles 20, 15. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. The battle is not yours, but God's. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. In Jesus' holy name, thanking you for the gift of this new year. Lord, we ask that you would truly help us to know how to trust you in new ways, to follow you more fervently and completely, and to live for your truth, your goodness, your beauty, and your love in this world. Make us fervent witnesses. Lord, we love you. And grant us companions for the journey, brothers and sisters in Christ, other members of the church who will walk with us, encourage us, support us, hold us accountable to the grace of this moment, for we do not want to miss out on this grace. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Over the break, one of the things Carrie got for our kids was Scrabble. It's amazing what you can get at uh, those uh, like value villages or goodwill centers. So she found a value village that had uh, some games and so picked up Scrabble. <clears throat> and Scrabble's an interesting game because you get a bunch of letters and you're not supposed to try to put the pieces together and figure out what the word is that all these letters were scrabbled, uh, scrambled up to to reach a, a scrambled place. Like, it's not like putting together a puzzle. But rather, Scrabble is, you have a bunch of letters, and then you, you make of them what you want. And it's like, oh, let me make this word. No, no, I'll use these three letters instead and make that word. And you know, our life is much more like a puzzle than like Scrabble. You see, the Lord has given us many pieces, but he intends them to be put together in a way that will allow a masterpiece to shine forth. Now, not all puzzles that come together are masterpieces. <laughs> and I know that puzzles are varying sorts, but I think oftentimes we relate to our own lives like Scrabble rather than like a puzzle. We take a look at it and we think, oh yeah, here's a bag full of letters. You know, these are all the these are all the different parts of my life. These are all the different gifts and, and different opportunities and things that are in my life. And you know what? Let me kind of put them out on the board in a way that sort of strikes me as right. 
I'll put these letters out first, and then I'll pick some other letters, and I'll put, I'll add them this way, and and then kind of move along with the game. And what it basically says is that okay, I've been given all of these entrustments, these little tiled letters, or maybe you get one of the blanks, and it's my job to use them in order to win the game. And I think sometimes that's how we relate to God with regards to our own lives. So here we are, it's the beginning of a new year, 2019. And one of the things I've said, I like to bring it up, is I like to bring up the, the, the concept of the dramatic element, the there is something at stake element quality to your life that comes under the heading of the good. There's a goodness about your life, a preciousness about your life because you really are singular, one of a kind. God made only you. And so therefore there is a masterpiece-like quality to your life. And I think what can happen is, is that we sense some of that uniqueness, the preciousness, sometimes people call it the greatness that lies within you, hidden sometimes buried deep below the surface of what's showing up in the world around us. And we look at the pieces of our lives and we say, oh, I want to improve this, or I want to do this, or I want to use that, or I want to deploy or employ these parts of my life to do these things, like Scrabble. And then bring them before God and say, hey, God, would you bless my plan? Would you bless my project? Would you bless my use of these letters to put together the word or the words that make sense to me? And I think that that can show up in the process of resolutions, New Year's resolutions. Somehow God is left on the sidelines, or if God is accessed at all, it tends to be in terms of using him as a power source to somehow support with his strength what we are resolved to do. And, you know, the things that we're resolved to do, you know, I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm going to lose weight or get in better shape or, you know, that healthy eating lifestyle. I'm going to give up these bad habits, take on these new habits. I'm going to, I'm going to achieve a breakthrough, a new breakthrough. And taking, taking, just even taking that word breakthrough, and I'll, I'll tell you why I use that word in a little bit, <clears throat> that just take that word breakthrough, you can say, you know, oh, here are the breakthroughs that I most want, and then write them down, then come up with a sketch of a plan, an outline of a plan of how it is I'm going to get there, map it out step by step, maybe day by day, how am I going to measure my progress, what are the strategies I'm going to use etc. Obstacles I'll face on the way. And then turn to God and say, God, would you bless this? God, help me with this. God, get on board. And, and I'm not saying that, again, that we're necessarily choosing bad things, but we might even be choosing actually good things. But I want to propose to you that you can use this resolution process to do something better than good things. You can discern God things. (laughs) You can discern God's things. And that's rooted in, in the reality that life is a lot less like a Scrabble game and much more like a puzzle. It has a whole bunch of pieces. And sometimes we can think our lives are maybe like the 20-piece puzzle. Not so bad. Things are fitting together pretty nicely. I see the picture. 
Other times, it looks like it's a thousand-piece puzzle, maybe a 3D puzzle, <laughs> a three-dimensional puzzle, or other complicated puzzle. Uh, sometimes maybe we feel like all the pieces are turned over so we can't even get a sense of uh, what part of the picture we're working on. Or we don't have a clear picture of where it's all headed. Where, where is, Lord, what is the final picture of my life that, that is intended to be built? I'm intended to build and work with you and, and correspond to your plan and building for my life. Well, maybe the breakthrough isn't, hey, here are the things I want to break through on put them down on a list, and then, and then bring God in on it. But instead, say, Lord, how do you want to break through? What are the breakthroughs that you want, that you will, the breakthroughs that you are committed to do in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my relationship with this kid or that kid, in, in our entire family, in all of our relationships together? in our faith walk as a family or in the world what are you doing and how are you in your will to bring this about drawing me to play a part that's what that's what this moment in the calendar can be and so i do want to encourage you to really truly pray about lord what is your will? What are you resolved to do in my life or through my life? And I say to you, Lord, yes. I say yes. I say yes to whatever it is you are resolved to do in my life and through my life in this world. And so, Lord, I ask you for the grace to discern the grace to be able to distinguish what it is you're asking of me. Help me be able to sense the promptings, the urgings, the nudges. Help me be able to have a picture, an image. Help me draw upon a memory. Help me draw upon a scripture or a saying, a word even, that condenses what it is your resolve to do in my life. And Lord, as you grant me that scripture, that message, that word, that image, to, to condense what it is your resolve to do, I'll continue to pray about it, reflect on it, think about it. And as I do that, I'm going to trust that the meaning of that will unfold as the year goes on. And I share this as a recommended practice to you, as something that I have done over the course of, I guess, almost 20 years now. And I'll admit that some years, the, the word or scripture or phrase has great meaning and large impact on my prayer life, on the directions that I take or avoid, and on, um, on the things that the Lord does in my life. And there are other years where that word or phrase tends to fade off, maybe after a few months, and then something else emerges, or it just sort of fades away from me, and I don't make it a big part of my reflection and, and carry it out uh, at, throughout the entire year. So I'm not saying that, you know, oh, this is going to change your life. This is some kind of, you know, super special hidden practice that I'm revealing to you. <laughs> no, I've found it very helpful 
because it put God, it puts God at the source of the meaning of my 2019. So it puts me in the role of receiver. And it also puts me in the role of yielding, yielding to the Holy Spirit. So that that whole reality of what we are called to do day to day, moment to moment, which is yield to the Holy Spirit, let the Spirit lead as the Spirit prompts and moves you in the course of your day to day life. In every thought, word, and deed, yes, the Holy Spirit is that intimately involved in your life. But even more than that, in the bigger picture, the bigger picture of what was that all about? What was 2019 all about? What might it be all about, Lord? And so I want to share with you my, uh, it's a scripture this year, as I've been kind of praying, pondering, thinking, I had like a couple that I, you know, came up with and I was like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I think that that sounds right. But then it would just, it didn't fit. It didn't strike me. It didn't like cause a light to go on on the inside. I'm giving that as a sign of sort of confirming discernment. But when all of a sudden this scripture popped out in front of me again, there was this, this scripture is what is being given to me as a gift. It's this scripture that I'll meditate on in a special way. I'll pray about in a particular way as I'm discerning what God is resolved to do in my life and through my life. And that scripture is, oh, guess what? The passage that I began with in the opening prayer, 2 Chronicles twenty fifteen. The battle is not yours, but God's. And I actually had used that last week. And believe it or not, it's a little plaque that was on my daughter Mary Grace's wall. Um, and when she left, one of her younger sisters jumped in and decided to reorganize, clean up, and move some stuff out. And so this um, small wall hanging, <clears throat> this little picture, the battle is not yours but God's, came down and was sitting on my desk. And all of a sudden, it jumped out at me, even though it was there. It was there. It's kind of like the man begging at the beautiful gate. Peter and John going up to the temple every day, as was their custom, passed by that guy every day, as was their custom. But this one particular day, God grabbed their attention and said, pay attention to him. And there was a miracle. And just like that, there was this sign that I saw every day. But all of a sudden, it was like it was a trumpet. The battle is not yours, but God's. And that is so striking to me because I think about it as a year of battle. And I think about the, I feel like there are many battles swirling about me right now. And so this truth, the battle is not yours but God's, is something that I can imagine growing and blossoming in me and knocking down a lot of doors and calling for a lot of interior uh, renovations, interior renewals that will come as I let that word hold its place and have its place in my heart. When we come back, I'll share with you Carrie's word briefly, because I want her to share about it. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, 
I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insights, Tom Curran. Today, I am encouraging you to go to prayer, take some time, maybe take a notebook with you, and uh, or have your notes open on your little smartphone, and uh, ask the Lord, Lord, what do you resolve to do in my life and through my life? That it's like a, it, it's astonishing. It's such an astonishing thought. God is astonishing. I, I just I marvel at our lack of marvel. I really do. I was just thinking about that when uh, a, a couple weeks ago I watched a video from the Discovery Institute about the the protein cell and uh, or the protein molecule and what it takes to create this in terms of DNA strands and all the different little mechanisms and these little like mini systems within the DNA that, that gets built up in order for one protein molecule to, to arise. And it's just so stunning. And it's like God was just smiling, saying, the more clever you get, the more advanced you get in your technology, the more scientific discoveries that you get that might make you think that you have a level of mastery over the world, just you wait. The more you break into the world of the micro, the world of the miniature, the more you will be astounded at the elegant complexity, the beautiful <laughs> order, the, the intelligence that is manifest at that micro level, uh, at the nano level, right? Way, 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 way down, tiny, 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 tiny level. The, the level of complexity that, you know, this single cell idea connected to evolution is not simple at all. And, and this is only becoming known in the last few decades as a result of the discovery of DNA and then the breaking of that down into ever more refined insight, just how complicated and complex and yet elegant and ordered is the, the foundational structures that we are currently able to see, that we're currently able to discern. And it's like you bump into just these incredible signs of God's uh, omnipotence, his omniscience, his goodness, his uh, uh, you know, intelligence, right? Uh, the, his ability to, to weave and sustain every single atom in the universe to sustain it all and keep it all in order. And, and then not only in the micro level, the macro level going out into the bigness and the vastness of the universe as we're getting larger telescopes that now can actually be established in space itself. It's like these telescopes are bringing back insights into the immensity of the universe in unveiling ever greater uh, mysteries that are just, again, leading to like the, the current theories of the way the universe was formed, the way the universe 
continues in being, uh, and things that are happening in the universe that are not easily explained or <laughs> leave huge gaps in uh, in their explanation. And so it's like God is is there at the biggest level and at the smallest level. You know, Pascal pointed to this, the infinitely large and the infinitely small. And we human beings are in the middle. We stand in the middle of the, these two infinities. And it, we, because we don't, we don't have that sense of wonder and awe, marvel and astonishment. We lose some of our own sensitivity to God. And so I bring up the bigness of God who it transcends infinitely all the immensity of the universe around us and all of the minute, incredible intricacy of any little thing that we could even we can't even see in front of us at the micro level. God did all of this, created all of this for you. And when I say to you, he is held in your safekeeping, he's got you. He's got this. He is so immense. He's so incredible. This God who invites us to call him Abba, Father. Did you hear that in the readings yesterday at Mass? He invites us to call him Abba, Daddy. To an intimate, personal, profound relationship with him through his son, Jesus, and through his spirit living within us. It's so incredible. You are that incredible. I mean, it's a wonder that you exist. It should lead to incredible admiration. No matter the circumstances and difficulties around you, just if we can pray to God, just to be able to stand back and shed the anxiety for a moment and be bathed in the astonishment of this world, the world that we're living in. And then breathe again, and then come off of the high perch, plant our feet firmly on the ground, and say, there's a mystery about to unfold in our lives. And, and I say that like that because... I just sense that this is going to be a different year. This is going to be a different year. And dear Lord, we need it to be a different year. Uh, one of the things Kerry said to me uh, was over the weekend, or I think it was actually on yesterday. She's like, it was an exhausting year. It was an exhausting year. And I'm like, Kerry? <laughs> yeah, me too. But are you... What are you sensing? And that's where she shared her word with me. I shared that my discerned word of the battle is not yours but God's, Second Chronicles 2015. Hers was, she says, you know what? It was just one word. It was the word breakthrough. Breakthrough. And I shared literally just a, you know, about 15 minutes ago on the program about that concept of how a breakthrough can have so many rich meanings. I'm like, Carrie, what a great word. What a great word. Because if you think about it from your own human standpoint, you can, again, come to all those other ideas that are just you-centered or you as the origin. But what about God? God has for you breakthroughs. 
What's he going to break through? What parts of your heart, your memory, your personal history, what parts of your woundedness, what parts of your sinfulness, what parts of your desires are you going to see breakthroughs? She's like, well, I was only thinking of the last one. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, on Friday, we'll have a chance to, to talk more about that. But I think that those two words together, the battle's not yours but God's and breakthrough, they're very fitting for what's happening in the church right now. Right? What's happening in the church? I think that one of the things that's important for us to do as a church is, is do a kind of examination of conscience. Just kind of step back and take, let's take, first of all, just broad strokes. Because I've been reflecting, again, quite prophetically in the last few months about uh, the word that I feel like the Lord, I sensed that the Lord was asking me to speak. But if I step back in more broad strokes and just take a look at sort of the sway of my life, I was born during the Second Vatican Council. Uh, during, uh, well, about a month before it ended. and No, a month and a year before it ended, sorry. And uh, and I take a look at, like, the aftermath, right? Sort of uh, the aftermath, the, the what happened next after the Second Vatican Council. And when we take a look at it, just let's say from the standpoint of just raw statistics, right? If you don't take theories into account right now and positions about this or that, just take a look at numbers, and we can just say this. From the, from the standpoint of pure statistics or sociological uh, factors, what we can say is this. The Second Vatican Council didn't help. <laughs> I'm laughing. I, but you know what? The funny thing is this is that one way that you could actually look at it is say, you know what? If it were not for the Second Vatican Council, it would have been a lot worse. I don't think I've ever heard anybody make that claim, that things would have been a lot worse numbers-wise. Because when you have statistics that say something like this, that the number of uh, self-identifying Catholics is has just shockingly, shockingly um, just dropped in terms of I don't mean like I don't mean 64 compared 1965 compared to 2018 just in terms of raw numbers but I mean in terms of percentages so if you say okay there are about 70 million Catholics that were born Catholic well then you have the number of inactive Catholics so then after that you you peel off something like 30 million of the 70 million that are you know Cult, not even culturally Catholic. Yeah, let's call them culturally Catholic, sociologically Catholic. How many of them are, are no longer Catholic? They're non-practicing and non-identifying as Catholic. So then if you just leave yourself with self-identifying Catholics, then you, again, I don't want to go too far into this because you know the numbers are just really depressing. That you could say something like, out of those who remain, who self-identify as Catholic, only about 15% actually go to Mass every week. And this is like the basic thing. Like my growing up in my house, if you, live, if you wanted to live in my house, you had to go to Mass on Sunday. It was not even a question. Not even a question. And you know what? It's still the same way today. You live in my house, you go to Mass on Sunday. Why? Because we're Catholic. 
Why? Because Sunday is God's day. Why? Because the Catholic Church is God's house. Why? Because God gets to establish the way that he gets to be honored on his day. And that pretty much puts the end to it. Well, how do you know that? Well, Jesus is God's son, and Jesus established the Catholic Church. And Jesus continues to operate through that church, and you know what? It's by his authority that we trust that, you know what? This discerned manner of living it out, going to Mass, this is what honors God. So you're going to honor God on God's day in the way that God wants. So you're going to Mass. So it's kind of like, that's just sort of basic Catholic stuff, not even 101. It's like basic, it's like one. (laughs) And so if we don't even get that right, it's really, it's really sad. Just yesterday, uh, Carrie, when we were going to the uh, Mass, uh, the Mass to the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, we actually went on the vigil on New Year's Eve at five o'clock. So there were only two Masses at our parish, and so Carrie said, okay, if, so we had seven kids going with us to Mass. She said, if you can find six kids here in the church, six kids at this Mass that are classmates of yours, or even just go to your school, they don't have to be classmates, just go to your school, six in the whole congregation, I'm going to take everybody out afterwards and get a treat. I'm like, Carrie, what are you doing? <laughs> she says, well, I hope I lose. Sadly, we didn't even lose. There were like two. And one of them was one of our daughter Ariana's friends who was going to be st- uh, st- going out with her last night who agreed to meet at Mass. So we had that one already down. There was one other kid. And it's like, you took a look at who was there. Where were the 20-somethings? Where were the 30-somethings? Where were the 40-somethings? And it was practically empty. If you said everybody that is below 20 and above 50, leave the church. Let's see who remains. There would have been, I don't know, less than 20 people in the church. That's maybe a slight exaggeration. But that is, it's, it speaks to just the, the painful loss of faith in our Catholic Church regarding the faith of us, God's people. That's a problem. That is a desperate problem. Carrie's like, what's going to happen in 30 years? What's going to happen in, in 20 or 30 years? Where all the great majority of the people that were there are going to be gone, literally gone, hopefully home to heaven. And the, what's going what's gonna to be the, the situation the church is in? This is very, very disturbing, painfully disturbing. And so when we come back, I'm going to continue to reflect on this with the idea that it's a year of breakthrough. And it's a year of battle. But the battle's not ours. It's God's. We're going to discern a little bit about what that might mean for us in terms of how to live this battle. We'll do this when we get back just after this break. Please stay tuned. This is Tom Kern listening to Sound Insight. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Today is January the 2nd. It is a wonderful feast day because it involves, really, I think, part of how God fights the battle, part of how God brings about a real breakthrough. 
And that is he raises up saints. He raises up saints. And I'm going to say it this way. He raises up saints very often that are in the clergy, that are in our leadership. Today's a great feast day that points that out. Today we celebrate two saints, St. Gregory Nazianzen and St. Basil the Great. These are two fathers of the church. They're called the Cappadocian fathers. They're doctors of the church, the both of them. They were both involved in the the 4th century, flowing over into the 5th century, the early councils, these ecumenical councils, these worldwide councils of the church, where they did things like, oh, establish the Nicene Creed and the Nicene-Constantinopolitan Creed, the, the one we pray at Mass, right? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, etc. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. So that these are the bishops that were there in leadership who not only helped to affirm and establish and proclaim the fullness of Catholic faith, but they did so in a time when there was a tremendous battle against the Orthodox Catholic faith called Arianism, one that diminished the meaning of the divinity of Jesus. And so it took, it which again impacted and swayed a significant portion of Catholic bishops at the time. And you have God raising up these two saints, bishops, doctors of the church. Oh, and let me say this. Friends, they grew up together. They were friends together in school, in Athens. They were best friends. And they were raised up by God. And, you know, it's like, okay, God saw this. Think of the puzzle pieces. Sometimes one of the most significant puzzle pieces that God will put in your life are those dear, dear friends. Those relationships with people who are near you, who are around you, who will walk with you to support you when you're struggling, to encourage you and cheerlead you on when you're doing well and to hold you accountable so that you won't settle for less than the highest of what it is God has for you in your life. All three of those things, when you find a treasured friend, you have found an amazing gift that has come to you from God. And I am utterly convinced that one of the most powerful ways that we will see breakthroughs and that we will see God battling for his church is by raising up holy friendships, by raising up men to walk together with men in new and significant ways. And the same with women, the same with couples and with families, and yes, with young people. I see that already with my daughter, Mary Grace, walking with a bunch of 19-year-olds and doing amazing things, amazing things, that people twice their age you'd expect to be doing the kind of missionary activity that they're doing in the circumstances, the squalor, the challenging circumstances that they're in a bunch of 19-year-olds. So impressive. The spiritual purification, cleansing, and maturation that is happening there. You know what? 
That's how God's going to do a breakthrough. That's how God is going to fight the battle. I think this is what God has resolved to do. I'm going to speak for myself. It's what I'm discerning. And it seems to me, when I look at the church, it's what the church needs. Lord, please, come. The battle is yours. Battle for your bride, Jesus. Come as a warrior and battle for your bride. Break through, Jesus, in new ways. Because I think about the degree of, I wish I could just use like the healthy theological word, solicitude, but it's much more like the uh, bl- blended word anxiety that's, you know, maybe not always healthy, right? That there's a sense of anxiety. You know, when you say, when you see that the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph were anxious when they were trying to seek Jesus, that came out in the story of the uh, finding of the child Jesus in the temple, read on the Feast of the Holy Family. They were anxious and astonished. And Pope Francis wrote a really neat reflection on that. He spoke about the anxiety and the astonishment of the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph. And you know what? If they experienced anxiety and astonishment, then you know what? Let's not be surprised. Let's also be open to the fact that in our desire to find the Lord, in our desire to find our kids safe, we just might find anxiety. But in discovering the Lord, let's be open to astonishment. Let's be open to astonishment. And so when I think about not only just the raw statistics of the rise of nuns of this millennial generation who don't identify with any faith, when I see the number of young people who are not attracted by or not drawn to the, the mass as they experience it. And they look around and they don't sense a vibrant faith, an expectant faith. They don't sense a, a, a holiness in what is a sacred ritual, in a consecrated space, a space set apart for God, a place where the presence of God dwells in Jesus eucharistically and in a sacred ritual that is calling for the breaking into earth of the reality of the divine itself. And young people look and their eyes glaze over and they're bored. We so easily and quickly stop paying attention. And it's like, Lord, we need a breakthrough. We are desperate for a breakthrough. And and I when I think about the faith that is the faith I want to see arise in my kids, my desire is so focused and intense and deep and even a kind of all-encompassing quality to it that you know what, maybe I'm taking on too much of this myself that the battle isn't mine, it's God's. And I need to give up some space and let God fight that battle because they're his children more than they're mine. They're his children before they're mine. They'll be his children forever. And I'll be brothers and sisters with them in heaven. So my hope, so my my battle, so my work, so what I'm fighting for. And so even literally, as I'm sharing with you this program, I'm already 
coming to a living reflection with you in some new light into the meaning of uh, the idea that the battle is not mine but God's. Because what I was intending to share with that insight about my like intense focus on my own kids and their faith, I what I mean to say is it's hard to have my heart enlarged much further to say, I care about those kids next door, those kids down the street, those friends of my kids who are in maybe much more challenging homes in terms of the circumstances that they're facing. And it's like, God, I have such a... I'm exhausted just trying to nurture, sustain, and sow seeds of faith, hope, and love in my own kids. How much larger does my heart have to become? How much more do I have to put an effort to help those parents with their kids to try to influence a wider circle? I, I felt like my circle in, in my own life has been you know, narrowed down. I think five teenagers will do that. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy. Have mercy. Um, and so when I think about, when I think about this, this whole reality of, God, what are you doing in the church? I, I just sense this. The time has come where the Lord is going to break through. There is going to be a battle. And the Lord is going to take the banner in his hand and he's going to lead the charge. He's going to go first. Like the Ark of the Covenant going to battle with the ark first. And so I am definitely already sensing and seeing a need to pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament and pray quietly to let God have the first place, the bigger space, the more prominent role to really embody that word that the battle isn't mine, but it's God's. And I need to continue to surrender into his hands, abandon into his hands, myself and the church, my family, my kids, my wife, and yours, your families, your kids, our parishes, our bishops, our Pope. When we come back, I want to talk about this in a personal way for you. Hey, welcome back to Sunset. This is Tom Curran. I forgot, I forgot to read this really beautiful uh, reflection uh, it's a memory of, of St. Gregory Nazianzen about St. Basil and their friendship together. This is actually in the Office of Readings. If you pray the Liturgy of the Hours in the Office of Readings, it just is one of my favorite readings from the Office. And uh, I'll just let you enjoy it. This is, again, a doctor of the church and a bishop writing about his friend who was also a bishop, and a doctor of the church. And here it is. Basil and I were both in Athens. We had come, like streams of a river, from the same source in our native land, had separated from each other in pursuit of learning, and were now united again as if by plan, for God so arranged it. I was not alone at that time in my regard for my friend, the great Basil. I knew his irreproachable conduct, in the maturity and wisdom of his conversation, I sought to persuade others, to whom he was less well known, to have the same regard for him. Many fell immediately under his spell, for they had already heard of him by reputation and hearsay. What was the outcome? Almost alone of those who had come to Athens to study, he was exempted from the customary ceremonies of initiation, 
for he was held in higher honor than his status as a first-year student seemed to warrant. Such was the prelude to our friendship, the kindling of that flame that was to bind us together. In this way, we began to feel affection for each other. When in the course of time we acknowledged our friendship and recognized that our ambition was a life of true wisdom, we became everything to each other. We shared the same lodging, the same table, the same desires, the same goal. Our love for each other grew daily warmer and deeper. The same hope inspired us, the pursuit of learning. This is an ambition especially subject to envy, yet between us there was no envy. On the contrary, we made gain out of our rivalry. Our rivalry consisted not in seeking the first place for oneself, but in yielding it to the other. For we each looked to the other's success as his own. We seemed to be two bodies with a single spirit. Though we cannot believe those who claim that everything is contained in everything, you must believe that in our case, each of us was in the other and with the other. Our single object and ambition was virtue, and a life of hope and the blessings that are to come. We wanted to withdraw from this world before we departed from it. With this end in view, we ordered our lives and all our actions. We followed the guidance of God's law and spurred each other on to virtue. If it is not boastful to say, we found in each other a standard and rule for discerning right from wrong. Different men have different names, which they owe to their parents or to themselves, that is, to their own pursuits and achievements. But our great pursuit, the great name we wanted, was to be Christians, to be called Christians. So that, that's a, the, a part of a sermon by St. Gregory Nazianzus. And it is, again, in the Office of Readings for January 2nd, um, which is today the feast of these two saints, St. Saint Basil the Great and St. Gregory Nazianzen. And uh, again, these were two impactful men whom God raised up to be priests and then bishops and then to live out their lives using the puzzle pieces that God put at their disposal. Talk about having a very complicated puzzle to live out in their lives, discerning what was the true teaching, how do we speak about it and teach about it, how do we hold off error and misinterpretations, how do we battle against uh, uh, a type of uh, a betrayal of the faith, heresy, and promote orthodoxy in the Catholic teaching of the faith. Amazing, amazing. And they, and they did it in a way where they became not only saints, but doctors of the church. You know what? That's a life well lived. Those are two lives well lived. And that's what God needs today. And there's a lot at stake in whether you and I will discern what it is God wants from us, what it is God has resolved to do in your life, and that you'd say yes. That you would say yes. Yesterday, Great, great feast, right? The solemnity of Mary, the mother of God. Did you hear that? Mary, the mother of God. That's the emphasis there. Not the Immaculate Conception, right? When she was conceived in the womb of her mother, Anne, that's December the 8th. 
not the birth, the nativity of Mary, the birthday, September the 8th, not the, her assumption into heaven on the 15th or her crowning as queen on the 22nd, but a day honoring the mother of God. That's honoring her mission. That's honoring the way that who she is, Mary, is intimately linked with what it is she is to be about, to be about the mother of God. And all of the various puzzle pieces, the different graces and gifts that she was given, the parents she was given, the one who would care for her, Joseph, whom she was given, the spiritual gifts and graces she was given, especially that grace to say yes. To say yes as a young teenager. How old was she? 13, 14, 15? Probably not older than that. Maybe 16. You know, everyone's pretty clear that uh, in terms of their own scholarly work that she was probably somewhere between 13 and 16 that she was the one whom heaven waited for an answer her yes she would say yes to her mission and open herself to receive the conception of jesus in her womb by the work of the holy spirit and that jesus would then be born into this world not only Son of Mary, but truly Son of God. That was her yes. Her yes allowed the Lord to be born into this world. You know what I'm going to say next? You know, as with Mary, so with us, in an analogous way, not in the same way, but in a way that has some similarities. And so I want you to just really pray about that, that there is a way that uh, that you can, um, that you can, in fact, contribute to bringing about God's word in the world. God's word for 2019 in this world, and that's through your yes. And so maybe ask the Blessed Mother to confirm you in your yes. And you know what? There's uh, talk about mysterious timing, right? Guess what? I uh, think about, when I think about the listenership in the Puget Sound area, I've always just historically thought of 1050 AM, KBLE Seattle. And that's the, you know, the flagship station. That's where it all began back in 2001. And you stop and think about how it's grown and expanded. Well, you can hear Sacred Heart Radio on AM 1180. K-L-A-Y. So you wonderful folks in Lakewood and in Tacoma, I want you to know there's something at stake. And you know what? God wanted you to have access to Sacred Heart Radio. And, and if you haven't uh, heard any of us before, I'm Tom Curran, and I'm a local guy. For many years, I lived in Federal Way. And uh, I so often would bump into folks from Tacoma, who would just, just you know, wring their hands over the fact that they just couldn't quite get the signal from KBLE Seattle AM 1050. Well, guess what? 1180 KLAY, now you can. And so I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled to be able to welcome you to the Sacred Heart Radio family of listeners. I just encourage you to stick around and just take in, leave, leave the radio dialed in here to 1180 uh, during the course of your day 
and you'll just be blessed by the different programming that will come on. Like, for instance, immediately after me, in just a couple of minutes, there's going to be a beginning of the Mass. And how many people don't have the ability to get to Mass in the course of their weekday? Well, guess what? You can listen to the Mass right here, right on Sacred Heart Radio at 9 o'clock in the morning. So that can be a tremendous blessing to you. So there you go. Uh, I'm very excited to be able to uh, I'm very excited to be able to welcome you to the family and uh, continue to spread the, the message of our Catholic faith, which you will hear proclaimed on Sacred Heart Radio and on Sound Insight with courage, confidence, conviction, clarity, and completeness. There's a whole bunch of C's right there. <laughs> All right. God's up to something great. Hey, please tune in tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. I'll continue to help you discern God's resolutions and talk about other stuff as well on Sound Insight. God bless your day. Please pray for me as I pray for you.